Hey, I'd love to pray right now. Last Sunday morning, as we kicked off the month of miracles, I just shared how the Lord had showed me a picture. And the picture reflected this thought that comes from Scripture where God promised Abraham that I'm going to give you land and then I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to talk a bit about that later. And in that promise to him, this promise was for land. Often as Christians, sometimes we can, we can begin to think that the spiritual world is disconnected from the natural world, that they're, they're very separate, they're very different. But in, in reality, your spiritual world and the physical world are, are very connected before God. He doesn't say one's this and one's that. They're very connected. That's why when the, the Bible talks about things like your body is the temple of God. Your body belongs to Christ. Look after your body. Keep it pure because your body is Christ. And so there's a connection. And this, this promise relates to land. He said, I'll give you land. The promise of faith to the, our father of faith was to give you land. And I felt the Lord, like the Lord speak to me that there are people here in our church uh, that who are believing God for your own home. Now, you might have had one before. You might never have had one. But you might, you're believing God for your own home and you're a tither. So this is the principle that you're putting God first in your life and your finances. That gives you the ability to access the miraculous power of God because you're following His principles. And so I, I saw this picture and I saw it really of like a, like a pillow, like a decorative pillow, uh, like you would bring, say, say, some wedding rings or a crown. Uh, and, and, and so I saw keys on this pillow. And I saw uh, uh, these, there's a whole lot of pillows along the front here of church. And, and it was like um, people came out the front and it was, it was like I could see, I didn't see angels, but I could sense someone picking them up from the stage, the pillow, and handing people uh, these keys that were for the house that God had for people. And so last week I prayed for a... I don't know, maybe 40 different people who are believing God for, your, for your, your own home, your first home. And I thought there'd be people who couldn't make it last week, but you're here this week, and that's you. I would love you just to stand up and come out the front right now, because I want to pray for you and believe for you for your home, okay? It can be impossible in the natural, but nothing's impossible to God. So come and stand out the front if that's you. And let's, church, put our faith together. Mr. Billingham, your wife's coming. Come on. You can have a moment off steward's duties, just for a moment. I gave some just some words of advice around this last week. You stand beside her, buddy. Wow, come on. You're off duty right now for just a moment. She wants a house. Do you want a house? Yeah, absolutely. She, she even answered for you. I love it. Yes is the correct answer. This is what I shared with people last week, just the principles of getting your own home. The first is make sure you're sowing into God's house as a vision builder. The Bible says if you build God's house, He'll build your house. Make that a principle of your life. Uh, make sure, then write a list of what you believe in God for. What's the list? What would you like? Write it down. Just be very specific. Then begin to pray about it every day. And then God will give you a promise or a scripture. And the one I shared with everybody was this, that the, the, where the Lord says in Jeremiah, I wanted nothing more than to bless you with this beautiful possession. I just wanted you to never turn from me and to call me father. I want to give you this beautiful land. And then start to work the miracle. Just work it. Talk to people. Work on your budget. Save money. We got into our first house. We borrowed a little bit of money from an aunt here. We worked it here. We just we worked the miracle. We hustled to make it happen. So that, that's the thoughts. But I want to release right now this key from heaven into your hands. Put your hand out right now. Come on, church. Let's believe together. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for favor. I thank you for favor. I thank you for favor. Favor in the name of Jesus, release that house right now. 
Release it in the spirit right now. Release it in the spirit. Release it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I say yes, yes, yes right now. Right now in Jesus' name. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. Father, I break off every disappointment. I loose prosperity and abundance in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Go on, give the Lord a clap. Give Him praise. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You've done a good job. Give the Musos a big hand this morning. Doing a good job. This morning, the title of my message as we're in, for me, a three-week series that's building on itself uh, is, It's Time for a New Name. That's That's the title of my message. And although our church will be getting a new name, this is not about our church. Uh, it's time for a new name. I don't know if you've ever met somebody and, and you're just like, no, you, you, you've got the wrong name. Have you ever met someone? You're like, you're just not a Brian. You're a Harry. You know, how, how many people have that moment? You're like, I don't know what happened there. Or, or you can, particularly if, if a name's taken out of a generation. So my mom was Audrey. Uh, Danielle's mom is Blanche. There are certain, certain names that, that represent a certain era. And then you meet someone and, they're, and, and, you know, they're 13 and their name's Audrey. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. But then they come back, don't they? They, re, they come around, they come back. And, and like, okay, that's, uh, Danielle and I, sometimes we play this game. We're like, well, let's, let's give them a, a more appropriate name because that's, that's the, obviously the wrong name. <laughs> I, I, I love the Bible's got some, some cracker names in it that you, you would be, it's like the, the parents, if they were in today's era, uh, would have to go up before some sort of tribunal for wrong names or, or for mistreating their children. There's, there's one guy in the Bible, uh, when the ark is stolen from Israel and, and the mother calls him Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. You're like, hey, hey, now, now roll call, who have we got? I- Ichabod. What does that mean, son? And the, the glory of the Lord has departed. Like, how embarrassing. Uh, Noah called one of his kids Ham. I, I, I'm like, as a bacon lover, I, 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 don't, I, I don't mind that. I'm like, Ham? All right. I, I mean, I guess they, they got on the ark and there was two pigs and I guess they had to go without Ham for quite a period of time. I'm not sure what was going on, but there's, there's some shocker names in the Bible and because in the Bible particularly more than our day and age names had a meaning they represented something it was like a prophetic statement over a child uh, I, I worked in Victoria for a couple of years and everyone kept telling me about this uh, the, asking me this question have you seen my kitchen and I'm like well no I haven't been to your house and after a while I'm like everyone's asking me to see their kitchen I realized this guy's name was Michael shortened to Mike Hitchin and he was a rep who would come and visit our thing. And they're like, have you seen my kitchen yet? I'm like, no, nope, haven't seen my kitchen. Don't know what, what's going on with that. Obviously, he needed a new name. I want us to look at our scripture this morning, and it's from Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to 6. And we're talking about Abram, who becomes Abraham. Which, uh, last week, we talked about Abram, how at 75 years old, God gave him a promise that he would give him land and that he would make him a father of many nations. And though uh, Abram and his wife wife Sarai hadn't had a child, she was barren. There was no physical way that she was able to have a child. And last week we talked about this, that that he faced the facts 
that his body was as good as dead and her womb was dead. He, he faced the facts. And we, we recognize that when you believe in God for a miracle, the, the starting place is to face the facts, not deny the facts, not stick your head in the sand, but actually stare down that bank statement, that doctor's report, whatever the situation you're facing is to look at it, to accept that it, the facts are real, but then to bring that to God and say, God, give me your promise. Because a promise from God trumps the facts every day of the week. But we don't ignore the facts. We stare them down, but we live with our mind on the promise of God. Okay, that's, that's last week. So Abram, when Abram was 99 years old, one year away from that letter from the queen. My, my, my aunt is 99 years old. I'm hoping she gets the letter from the queen or the king or whoever lasts the longest uh, next year. It says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. 99 years old, no kids. Whoa. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. This is what God says. And you shall be a father of many nations. Many nations. He's like, I've got, got like me and, the, me and the missus have got no kids. We face the facts. But the promise is you're going to be a father of many nations. No longer, verse 5, shall your name be called Abram, which means patriarch or exalted father. That's what Abram means. So his name already, that's a good name already. It's not like he's an Ichabod. It's a good name already. But he's coming along and says, no longer will your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. Abraham, and not, not because of the whole ham thing, all right? Abraham. Actually, there's a, the, the name of God has huh, in its name, and God was inserting Abraham into his name. The same with his wife. That's the reason God did it. But the name Abraham meant actually the father of many nations. The father of many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I'll make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. If you've been listening to what we preached about a new era, this is the same covenant that God repeated to Jacob in Genesis 35. Kings will be among your descendants. I will make you a great nation, even many nations. I'll give you the land. A prophetic promise for our church right now. Interesting. First thing I want you to realize is, is 75, uh, 75, Abram got a promise. He's now 99. He got a promise that for 24 years has not happened. I'm pretty sure he gave it his best shot on his behalf. Just pretty sure. I mean, I've got to think as a husband, that's, 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 the, best, that's the best line going around. I've got to fulfill the, the, what God's told me to do, honey. Just saying, just saying. That might help somebody here. Anyway, move on, Pastor, quickly move on. 24 years, no kids, barren. But he's still believing. He's still, he's still believing the promise. And I want to tell somebody here today that if God gave you a promise, God never, never specifically, rarely will he tell you it's going to happen at this exact moment. He has an exact moment in his mind, but he rarely will tell you because what he's doing is he's testing our hearts. He's testing, will you believe when it looks... Because this is what faith is, when the roots go down in the dry seasons, deeper and deeper, through faith and patience, they endured the promise, Hebrews 11 tells us. Through, through faith and patience, this perseverance goes on. I want to tell you today, delay is not denial. Just because it's taken a long time for God's promise that He's given you to come to pass, it doesn't mean it's denial. 
It means to hang in there, hold on. In fact, what, what I love about it, there's three times in Genesis it talks about this baby. And it says to, in Genesis 17, 21, it will be a, a set time this next year. In Genesis 18, so, uh, someone spoke to Sarah and said it's at the appointed time. And, and a few times there's this sense that there's been an appointed time. The Greek word is a kairos moment, an appointed time. There are, there are specific things, not everything, but there are specific things that are promises from God for you that have a set time on them. They have an appointed time. They have a, they have a kairos moment. It's that significant in your life. Not everything, but certain things. And God says, at this set time, I am going to do that. But I, and God likes to delay those things because He wants to build perseverance into our character. 16 years ago, God gave me a vision for the four-part the four part building of, our, of the vision for the future church facility. 16 years ago. I've been talking about it ever since. I've been telling us ever since, one day we're going to do this. One day we're going to do that. One day we're going to build that. We've been giving. We've been sowing, believing God. I want to just tell us here today that delay is not denial. In fact, it's building something inside of us, preparing something for, for a day. There is a set time, an appointed time for our church to sell our land for $5 million as God has promised us. There is an appointed time for our church to buy that land for $8 million. There is an appointed time by God for us to build our buildings and to move into a season of explosive growth as a church. There is an appointed time. And whatever it is that you're believing God for, there's an appointed time. The question is, when God comes, will you be in faith? Or will you have walked away with disappointment, changing your theology that God doesn't seem to do that or He forgot about me? That God will come at a, at a, at a set time. I, I love this scripture in Habakkuk where it talks about, write the vision, make it plain so that he, he who reads it can run with it for the vision is not is for an appointed time, Habakkuk 2.3. The vision is for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Now, here's, here's, here's a confusing but very true portion of Scripture. Though it tarries, tarries means take, takes time. It's, it's, it's delaying, delaying, delaying. Though it delays, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Though it tarries, it will not tarry. Though it's delayed, it won't be delayed. Though it seems like it takes forever, it's going to come suddenly. This is the way God seems to move in our life. He says, I, I, I'm building something in you. Wait, wait. I was in the army reserves for a while. We had this saying, if you've ever been in the army, it was like, hurry up and wait. Hurry up to get to a certain spot. We'd all get there. Oh, we made it on time. Then like, oh, you've got to wait three hours till the transport trucks come. Wait. Hurry up and wait. This just seems to be God does it in reverse. Wait and hurry. Delay and suddenly and then suddenly, in a moment, suddenly God moves and everything falls into place and the dominoes go boom, 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 boom. Those things you were believing in for. The question is, when God comes to speak to you, will He find you in faith? Will He find your heart alive and believing? All right, that's the first thing. Delay is not denial. That's why Daniel fasted because there was an appointed time for them to get out of, for, for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. The Bible said it was 70 years. And at the 70-year at the moment, Daniel said, Flip, there's a promise from God. He didn't go, Oh, I wonder if it's going to happen. 
He went and did a fast for 21 days because he knew that when God's will and appointment is to come to pass, God always needs someone to partner with him for his will to be released on planet earth. And God looks around for his will for someone who will come into agreement for the impossible and will fast and pray to release that. That's why on the 20th, as a church, we're having our second 10-day fast period. The, the, the third of our 10 days of prayer that we're having this year. We're having four this year, 10 days. I want to encourage you. Make this your month of miracles by fasting for 10 days. Set your heart to do it for the things that you're believing God for. There's something about f- prayer, fasting, and giving that unlock things that don't seem to be unlocked any other way. Set your heart. What are you believing for? Is it significant enough? to go without some food for 10 days? Is it significant enough to say, say, King Stomach, you just need to chill out for a little while. I'm actually going to worship King Jesus. Oh no, that got a little personal, didn't it? Sorry about that. Is it significant enough? Fasting, that's us together. We're going there. All right, then let's look at this. You'll no longer be called Abram, but you'll be called Abraham. And then God came to Abraham and to Sarah. And he said, you'll no longer be called Sarah, but you'll be called Sarah. Sarah. God begins to speak. 99 years old. His wife's about the same. Sarah means, Sarah Ai means princess. Sarah means mother of multitudes or mother of nations. Oh, I, just, I just have this picture because God did this a number of times in the Bible. Simon, he changed to Peter. Simon meant meant one who would um, be blown in the wind. Peter meant Cephas or rock. Saul, he changed to Paul. Nothing wrong with, if your name's Simon here today, there's nothing wrong with that whole different context. I always think that's quite awkward. If your name's Abram, pretty unlikely, but it's okay. Exalted father, all right. But, but I always imagine the moment where someone's been told by God you've got a new name where they've got to go around explaining it to everybody. Yeah, yeah, hey, hey. And, and, and he goes, hey, Abram, how you going? It's not Abram. Oh, really? How come? Well, God spoke to me. He said, uh, to change my name because I'm going to become the father. I'm going to become the father of many nations. Hi, my name's Sarah. No, what do you mean, Sarah? Oh, what's, I can hear the, the servants. What have they been smoking out the back there? What's going on? We've been in the desert too long, too much hot sun on poor old Abram. He thinks God's, he goes, no, my name's Abraham. My name's Abraham. I I can hear Peter walking up to to the the, the mother-in-law who was sick that Jesus healed. And she goes, Simon, welcome, welcome. And he goes, ah, not Simon anymore. That's the old me. That's the way I used to be. That's the way you used to think about me and the way I used to think about me, but I met Christ. And when I met Christ and when I gave my life to Christ, something happened at the cross where the old me was crucified with Christ and I became a new creation. When I became a new creation, I got a new identity and I became a new person. And so there are times, and I'm not suggesting we all have to go home and change our names. Just ringing up the, you know, First deaths and marriages. Hi, Simon here. Just want to let you know I'm changing my name to Peter. But I reckon, I reckon it, wasn't, it wasn't as much about what other people thought. I actually think that's why God changed his name. 
I think God knew that, that something that in something in Sarah's heart and something in Abraham's heart and the way they perceived themselves needed to change, to come into alignment with the promise. Because, you know, sometimes it's quite easy to believe about God that He's, he's able, that He's amazing. He, he's, he's the God of the impossible. We sang it this morning. That, that's who God is. It's quite easy to think that about God, but then I start to think about me. And I'm thinking, well, I, maybe that's not me. Maybe I'm not, I, I, maybe, maybe I'm not that kind of person. Maybe I'm not worth that. Maybe I don't have the value of that. And when you, you read the Bible, the Bible tells us something very interesting numerous times. It talks about the heart. Proverbs tells us to guard our heart because out of our heart flows all the issues of life, all the, the boundaries of life. If, if we could put your heart on an x-ray today, I could predict the direction of your, and the future of your life. If we could read the condition of your heart, I could tell where you're going in your future. Not by what you're wearing, not by what your job is, not by who you're, but I can tell by what's in your heart because your heart, it always comes back to it. The Bible also says this, the heart is like a tablet. And things have been written on the tablet of our heart that determine the way we think about ourselves, our core beliefs, our heart beliefs. And we always act in accordance to our very heart beliefs, even if we're saying something else. I mean, if you've heard the stories of people who've won Tats Lotto or won, won um, you know, whatever we call it these days, uh, scratchies or whatever, won stacks of money. And then after a while, a year later, they're broke again, back into exactly the same financial place because here's what happened. They got money, but they kept traveling in the direction of their heart. And their heart was telling them certain things about themselves and certain things about money that they'd learnt. And ultimately, that lived out. And while for a year or 18 months, they had a lot of fun, but they come back to the place that's a reflection of the condition of our heart. What's written on your heart today? What's written in your, in your inner world? And I, I believe God changed Abram's name and He changed Simon's name to Peter. He changed Sarai's name because He wanted them to start thinking differently about themselves. Because He wanted, he, he, God realizes this, that our mind needs to be renewed, but even more than our mind being renewed, our heart needs to be transformed. Our heart needs to be changed. We need something new written across our hearts. He needed to confess over and over. And God thought the only way I can get him saying that he's the father of many nations over and over is if I change his name. So every time he talks to someone and every time he hears that and every time he, he, he signs his name or whatever he did in, in those days, every time he mentions, I'm Abraham and this is Sarah, what's going on is his mind's being reprogrammed. But here's what the Bible says, the words, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. Every time he's saying, Abraham, I can just see him after that encounter with God. I'm Abraham. 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 Father of many nations. That's right. God told me about the stars. That'll be my, my descendants as numerous as the stars. Abraham. He looks at the sand. My descendants as numerous as the sand. Abraham. I'm Abraham. Does God realize that he needed to transform what was written across his heart so that he could move in the direction of his heart. And what you're saying is that part, as a big part of your faith 
But I've seen people say things that they don't believe in their heart and it doesn't happen. And they call it faith. Oh, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You talk to someone who's, who's, whose life is falling to bits and you go, how's things? And they go, I'm blessed. And I go, I understand the power of positive confession. I get it. But just for a moment, let's be real and face the facts. Because although your words are saying that, I know in your heart you're like, everything's going wrong. So to give your words power, you've got to change your heart. Because when a man, what, what a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, when you believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, so shall it be. So God wants to go to work on your heart. So, well, I mean, one of the best ways I can illustrate this to you is, is, is for me growing up. See, see, what gets written on your heart will, will happen through one of three ways. It'll happen through the up, your upbringing, family issues, things, family beliefs that you've, you've inherited from your parents. Some people uh, have inherited a belief about God from their parents that's actually wrong. You can have core beliefs in your heart and believe it to your very core. But it doesn't mean it's true. It's just what's written on your heart. And you see the world through that filter. So family, upbringing, uh, teachers, friends, siblings, all can write things on our heart. Experiences, good and bad, can write things on our heart. And then ultimately God says, I'm going to come and write my word on your heart. I will give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. God, God's the only one who can really transform our heart by getting things out that are in there and getting new things in. We've just got to partner with Him. So I say it like this. For me, I, I grew up and the thing, one of the things, there's numerous things, but one of the things written on my heart was this. A true Christian cannot be rich. Deep in my heart, through upbringing, different things, a true Christian cannot be rich. Because if they were a true Christian, they would have given it all away. And so that was a core belief, a heart belief for me. So here's the, here's the thing. I can need finances and need God to move on my behalf and pray, God, will you bless me? My words, they're going that way. But my heart's going, a true Christian can't really be rich. My words can be saying this, that what's going on is God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. What I'm thinking is going in this direction. What I'm saying is going in this direction. There's no alignment in my heart and my mouth. And so it just, it's not working for me. So when God began to open up my mind, I had to, had to look at the scriptures and look at what the word of God says. And I had to go to work for years. And I, I found that this is the core thing I rewrote on my heart is that I'm, I'm God's son and he loves me and he loves to give his sons good gifts like any good parent. And then the second thing is if my heart is towards God and His kingdom, I'm a servant. If that's my focus, the Bible says, then He delights in the prosperity of His servants. I had to start confessing that over and over again. And I, and I had to start doing things that got me out of the comfort zone of where I used to live. But bit by bit, I realized my aim is not to be rich. My aim is to bring the kingdom of God to planet earth and to partner with Jesus to build his church. That's my aim. But I don't want to block him from blessing me in the process because of wrong thinking. And so I had to say over and over again, let the Lord, uh, let the Lord be praised who takes delight in the prosperity of his servant. That's my heart. So I'm wondering today, what new name do you need? I'm wondering today, what do you need to start saying about yourself because it's blocking God's best for you. 
I'm wondering what through negative experiences or, or, or through things that you've been told about, about your life, about God, about church. Kirsty shared so powerfully. My family had a very negative experience in church. So we stopped going for years. A negative experience can write something on your heart. Doesn't mean it's true. It just gets written on your heart. Our heart starts to harden and we start to miss out on what God's got. I'm wondering this morning what God might want to rewrite over your heart. See, here's the thing. I believe God wants to take you above and beyond what you could imagine His plans are for you in so many areas. I believe in this church that there's people that God wants to, to not just work at the company, but He wants you to run the company. He doesn't want you just to work at the school. He wants you to run the school. He doesn't want you just to play on the team. He wants you to be the elite athlete for the glory of God. I, I believe there are people in this place uh, that God doesn't want you just to do okay in your business, but He wants you to be the wealthiest person on the Sunshine Coast. I believe there's promise after promise. I believe there's people in this place that God wants you to plant churches, start ministries, do things that are very significant for Him in, in terms of the kingdom of God, but somehow written across your heart is disqualified. Somehow written across your heart is not worthy. Somehow written across your heart is that's not my family's vibe. God says, I want to come and I want to give you a new name. I want to elevate your thinking. I want to elevate your heart. I want you, I, I want you to take some steps of forgiving people maybe who caused you to get trapped in this place. Release them. Sometimes there are demonic spirits that attach to a certain, a certain uh, thing written on our heart. It's called a stronghold. God says, I want to come. And for me, that was breaking a poverty demon off my life. I want to break that off your life. That's one area. I could give you about 10 different areas. Things that were written across my heart and if they didn't change, they were going to be the ceiling on my life. God wants you to start saying something different about yourself. You've been labeled shy. You've labeled yourself shy. But it's not true. He wants you to start saying, I'm confident. Because that's who God's made you. You've labeled yourself as guilty. I'm worthy. And he wants you to start saying, in Jesus Christ, I'm holy. I'm righteous. Some of you have made some mistakes. You've labeled yourself second class, inferior. I'll never really hit this. He's coming to you and saying today, no, 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 you're worthy. You're worthy. Meditate on it. Get it into your heart. Don't let the heart be the ceiling for your life. It's time for a new name. It's time to start to call yourself something different. For many years, I've woken up in the morning and after I spend time speaking in tongues, I'll just go through a series of confessions about myself because I need to rewrite the things partnering with God, Scripture across my heart. Can we close our eyes right across this place right now? Father, I thank you. The presence is here. peace is here you're talking to people Abram needed to get to a point where he realized that secret faith was shallow faith he needed to start saying out loud this is who my God says I am 
I'm going to own my own home. I'm going to step into that destiny that God's got for me. I'm going to rise to the surface. I'm going to dominate the sphere God's called me to. Rewrite my heart, rewrite my heart. Right across this room right now, I can sense God talking to people. I'm, I'm asking Holy Spirit that for each person here today, where there's a lie that we've accepted, whether it's about you, Father, whether it's about ourselves, whether it's about your church, whether it's about our future. God, I'm asking that the spotlight of heaven would shine into the dark places of our heart and reveal to us, that's a lie. That's not who I say you are. That's not what I say about you. That's not what I say about your future. God's talking to you right now about something specifically that's written on your heart that you need to reprogram and let go. I just want you to stand up right now. Say, that's me. Just stand up before God. You might have already started to work on it, but you're just standing up and saying, God, I'm working on this. Might be about your marriage. Might be about your children. It's time for a new name. It's time to call yourself something different. It's time to think about yourself different. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Breathe. Spirit of God. Right through this room. Breathe, Spirit of God. Breathe, Holy Ghost. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I come right now in the authority of Jesus against every stronghold that attaches to these thoughts. And in the name of Jesus, I say, be loosed. Be free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands to God if you're standing right now. Just begin. Just begin right where you are. Can we all stand together right now? I want you just to spend a couple of minutes just saying, this is who God says I am. I am who you say I am. Can we sing that song, I am who you say I am? Sorry, guys. Sorry, you're in the deep end. I'm chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. going to get some singers up here in a moment just begin to say who you are just thank God for who he's made you who he's, who he's created you to be Father I thank you you called us to be bold you called us to be confident God you called us with a great future you want to prosper us you want us to be in good health you want the best for us oh God God you got a great plan great future for us we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. I thank you right across this room. Lord, right now, old mindsets are breaking off. 
All thoughts are breaking off. Ramba rebe 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 God, right now, let there be freedom right through this room. Freedom through every heart. There's some people here, your father specifically said some things about you that have stuck in your heart. Now God says, I want you to forgive them. I want you to release them. And I want you to accept my words over your life in the name of Jesus. I am who you say I am. Child of God, yes, I am. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, Holy Spirit, breathe. Child of God, yes, I am. Thank you, Father, right now, right now, right now. Renew our mind, rewrite our heart, heal our heart where it's broken. We declare in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you, Josh.